Travel, accommodations, and access to the Outer Worlds preview event was provided by Private Division. What's Good Games Podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Brittany Brombacher. Hello. And Miss Christine Steimer. Hello. We're all together here in Santa Monica, California to play The Outer Worlds, an upcoming RPG from Obsidian Entertainment being published by Private Division. And we all finally got to play, get hands on with the game. Now, we're going to talk about our impressions in just a little bit. But right now, we've got a very special guest joining us. It's Carrie Patel, one of the senior narrative designers from Obsidian, is here with us. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. So we first got to see this as a group at E3. You guys were doing a behind-closed-doors presentation. It just happened to be my personal pick for Game of Show for E3. I believe it was mine as well. It was. Was it yours? Or was no. It, yours was Final Fantasy. Awkward. It was right, it was right behind Final Fantasy VII. Still very honored. Yes. <laughs> um, but it was a really fun demo for us to see because obviously Obsidian has such a rich history in the RPG space. You guys have made so many games and a, quite a diverse selection of RPGs as well. So let's talk about what the Outer Worlds is. So we know that we're in this colony on the edge of the universe or the galaxy. I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure what the uh, official lore is. Uh, maybe you can clarify that for us. And we got woken up by this crazy scientist, mm-hmm. this guy named Phineas Wells. And now we're this on um, this space person on this colony and what are we doing there so uh, that's kind of where we leave it up to the player so the idea is that you the player are the unknown variable in the halcyon colony um as you saw from the demo and as you probably played today the halcyon colony is very much controlled by corporations um you know really moneyed interests and they wield a ton of power and they really have a ton of say over how what life is like for people in this colony but the player comes in as an outsider And so they're really going to get to make some choices that will sort of chart the course of how things go in Halcyon. And, you know, they kind of get to decide who they're going to who they're going to play nice with and what kind of future they see for this colony. Well, obviously, RPGs are all about embodying who you want to be in a game. Like the whole idea is it's a role playing game. Or maybe who you don't want to be and you just want to have super fun with it and just be a wacky person like Brittany and or be I, an asshole just, Steimer say it yeah, how it is yeah. just, did you shoot everybody uh, no she so, did no I did so here's the thing <laughs> when I play RPGs like this and I'm given a choice I'm always the nice person I'm always the person trying to help everyone and save everyone but for this demo I was like okay I'm just gonna live a separate life here it's so liberating it right was. Yeah. The, the oh gosh what was the name the, the first man you meet the guard who was injured who you can save yeah um, it's like you patch him up you well, both him of up. us patched him up Took his gun. I told. I called him stupid, and then <laughs> uh, and then I shot him in the face. And I was like, uh, "Yeah, you were hot, but 
It was that moment. <laughs> you were pretty dumb. I know. It was that moment where I have the, the I have the handgun and I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm never going to do this in my actual playthrough because I don't like eliminating quests that we go We wouldn't along. judge you. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, shot him right in the face. And that was a very liberating feeling. You guys are terrible people. I mean, I lied to almost everybody that I could in this in this run through. Because yeah, same same with Brittany. Like in my actual playthroughs, I try to not be super goody two shoes because I don't like it. Like I want to have a bit of edge. I'm a bit. I salty, mean, you are you know? a salty yeah. timer. Yes. So like, um, <laughs> but in this one, I was like, screw it. I'm just gonna lie to everybody. Who cares? <laughs> like, yeah, it felt really good. I may have just discovered being my new bad. favorite way of playing good. video games. Yeah. <laughs> So it's interesting, though, because I wanted to ask, so is it possible to kill all the side quest givers in this game? Um, so there are some quests where, uh, in some cases, if you if you kill the quest giver and the you know the only person you have to turn the quest in with, then it will fail because there's nothing else sure. to do with that content. But could you kill them after? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> I have a wicked expression you have to on. Get what you need from people need before rewards. you kill them. Yeah. Yes. It's all about timing. These are um, great life lessons. This yes, exactly. Me. Wait till you get paid, and then you can do what you want. <laughs> so does that mean, conversely, you can also do a non-lethal playthrough where you don't kill anybody? So you can. De- there are definitely pacifist solutions to a lot of our content, to most of our content. I mean, we have dialogue skills. We obviously have stealth. So there's a whole lot you can do without uh, without killing other characters if that's the way you want to play. And you can still be very nasty, as you saw. You can lie. You can sneak. You can steal. So it can I still tried be fun. pickpocketing someone, and they were like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, <laughs> "Nothing." <laughs> You look like you had some dirt on you. I was just I'm brushing just it off yeah. your coat. Did they believe you? They did because I I always invest in dialogue. Mm-hmm. Nice dialogue is the number one thing I go for when I play an RPG like this. It's just like yeah, mm-hmm. I like charming people as well. Um, so one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about, Carrie, is uh, the companion system. So a mm-hmm. uh, really fun part of our playthrough today is that we had you know a couple people with us, and their personality traits will ultimately affect your playthrough, and what you do as a character will you know influence how they view you as a companion as well. And I would love to hear from you about you know what went into creating that system and just like how deep that system truly goes. So we really did want the players' companions to feel like, you know, their shipmates and their crew. And, you know, you look at something like Firefly and it's just this, you know, ragtag group of, you know, miscreants all all thrown together and, you know, journeying across the, the galaxy together. Um, so we wanted to create that same feel with our companions. We wanted players to really feel their presence throughout the game. So, yeah, as you noted, there are mechanical benefits to having them. Um, they all obviously have their own special attacks. And, you know, if you level up something like leadership, you'll really get to benefit from that a lot. Um, they also have certain skills that they're good at. So, you know, if you take a companion that's uh, really good at engineering or really good at lying, um, you know, they may help you pass some of those checks a bit more easily. Um, but yeah, also we wanted them to have a presence, you know, in a relationship with each other and with other characters in the world. So uh, we spent a lot of time writing, you know, writing banters for them and yes. giving them stuff to say. I was say. so happy when I heard them talking Me to each too. other. Oh, awesome. oh, yay. Well, they're not friends yet, but they might be friends soon. (laughs) But yeah, like you'll see them chime in in conversations with other NPCs. You'll see them talk back and forth as you're wandering around the world. Uh, And when you're exploring your ship, you may see them talking to one another there, too. Uh, We are all about the waifus and husbandos here at What's Good Games. So the first question I think a lot of people had when you guys talked about the companion system was, who can we romance and can we romance? Is that part of the system? 
Can we bang is what we're trying to ask. Even it is- if you can't bang, can I give someone a ring and be like, you mind? <laughs> It is. I'm afraid it's all in your head. It's it's That's it's fine. it's something we've learned. That is there. You go. We we have enough yeah. imagination. <laughs> it's a you know we we love writing companions and we love writing you know interesting content for them. But uh, we've certainly realized it's a really big investment to pull romances off well. And I think especially starting off with the new IP, we wanted to to make sure and bolster some other areas of our content and make sure we could get. You know, there's a lot of world building, a lot of writing, a lot of storytelling we had to do. So, so wifey yeah. DLC. Oh, <laughs> maybe I'd be down. I would also be down. Well, I mean, Just but you're killing everybody, there. so it might be hard for you well, to that's find Brittany. somebody. Brittany's, Brittany's killing, everybody. killing everybody. That was yeah. I'm yeah. lying to everybody. Oh, so it sets the foundation so for a good based on life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Perfect romance. <laughs> um, but Is that yeah. not how it works. Uh, no, Steimer, oh. definitely not. All right. Um, but I do want to talk about this new IP. As you mentioned, um, the whole universe of the Outer Worlds is brand new and it's set in outer space. Is there a reason why you guys decided to go with this space theme? Um, I think we were inspired by a lot of golden age sci-fi, a lot of pulp. Um, and so we really, you know, the fun thing obviously about setting something in outer space and a new, in a new solar system is that, you know, you can create the worlds you want and there's a lot of freedom to play, you know, for us as developers to, uh, you know, to create something really new and for players themselves when they, when they finally get to experience it to hopefully find something that they haven't seen in other games. Like... Oh, Sisty Pig. <laughs> oh, boy. Sam has some questions about I this Sisty Pig. I just want to know what level of intoxicated you are to get an idea like that. Because <laughs> I was talking to them. I was like, this feels like, this feels like something you say when you've had a few. And you're like... But like, would you eat a tumor if it tasted like bacon? <laughs> like, I, I feel like that idea. was the conversation that had to have happened. I was so I was not in the room, but I believe that idea came from Tim Kane, and he has like these daily chocolate meetings. So who know? Like he's he's Ch- notorious chocolate? for being yeah a very very big chocolate enthusiast. I, like I feel chocolate. like these are things so we who need knows? to incorporate into what's good games. Yeah, yeah. Do you want like chocolate, chocolate meetings? meetings? Okay, yeah. okay, noted. Continue. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, who who knows what what he thought up under the influence of all these wonderful chocolate fueled endorphins? Mm. Okay, that's my private theory. Anyway. Chocolate is your personal drug. Listen, chocolate's a fantastic drug. And it's safe for everybody. Well, most people. Most people. No. Some not people dogs. are allergic to chocolate. Oh, yeah, not dogs. No. Well, dogs aren't people. But that's a conversation <laughs> for... Speak for yourself. Or unless oh. are they in the Whatever. other world. I object to that. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about the way that the progression of the narrative is going to go. So one of the things I thought was interesting from the presentation that we saw in in the Behind Closed Doors demo at E3 was maybe this allusion to you don't quite know who Halcyon is. You think that they may be the bad guy, but maybe they're not the bad guy, question mark? I know that we don't want to obviously... good or bad. Don't really want to give anything away, but it seems like it's pretty early on to kind of question this idea of like whether they're good or bad. Is that where, you know, Dr. Wells comes into play? Is he a doctor? Is he a professor? What's his deal? I mean, I couldn't say where he got his degree from, but that's definitely <laughs> in his title. Um, yeah, I mean, you know... Part of what we wanted to explore with this game was, you know, this darkly humorous satire on corporate culture and, you know, propaganda driven society and and consumer culture. Um, So, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of interesting room in there to sort of, you know, let, let the player draw their own conclusions, I guess. And, you know, we 
we try not to make too many things super cut and dried. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting for players to see themselves when it comes out in October. Well, because that was one of the big things you guys were really emphasizing with mm-hmm. the demo was this concept of the morally gray choices, right? Mm-hmm. That when you go into these conversations, these narrative trees with these characters, it's not going to be like one or the other. It's going to be this sliding scale of do you think this is the right thing and how everybody's approach to what the right thing is is mm-hmm. going to be dramatically different. Yeah, no, I, I think that's definitely fair. So is there a, a distinct, there isn't, like a distinct moral compass in this game? It's just kind of, you make your decisions based off, it's not like, you know, in, in typical, think of like D&D, where it's like, you've mm-hmm. made a chaotic neutral decision, and it notes that. Yeah, there, there's not like a, a morality scale. Okay. And I mean, I think one thing is, you know, the the consequences of your actions, you know, may not become immediately apparent. So you may take, you may do one thing and find, you know, later on, that the effects may or may not be what you expected. Would you say then, like, basically the only real moral compasses in the game are your companions and, like, based on what they do or, like, do or do not like? If you want to keep them, that is. I mean, they'll, you know, they have very different takes on a lot of the situations you'll face, which is part of what makes them an interesting bunch is, you know, you you talk to Felix and you're going to hear one thing. You talk to Ellie or Nyoka and you might hear something very different. So, I mean, they're certainly good sounding boards for some of the big choices and, and dilemmas that you'll face as a player. Um, but, I mean, even they are not entirely reliable because they have their own perspectives. Now, is they anyone can... reliable? No. <laughs> no. No, they can leave if you piss them <laughs> off, right? Or not? Did I make that up? I thought I heard that. I thought somewhere. I had heard that too. Somewhere but. on the internet, it, it it is possible. Yeah, under some circumstances, for some of them to leave. I mean, it's not something that we wanted it to be like. Oh, you have to, you know, really game all these points with them to keep them happy with you. But I mean, yeah, there are certain things that are extreme enough that they might leave you. If you oh, do them. Boy. So with all of these different narrative choices. That leaves me to go, does this mean I have to play this game like a dozen times to like see all of the content? Because clearly some of the choices you make, as you mentioned, are going to affect your playthrough later on. Did you guys design that for replayability or was it a system you put in place more for player choice? It's a bit of both. And I mean, I see those things as going hand in hand, you know, like... um the fact that there are so many different ways you can play and so many different ways you can interact with characters and with these scenarios, you know, means you're going to see new stuff if you play again. Um, and, you know, hopefully if you're if you're someone who enjoys, you know, stealth and combat and, you know, like dialogue focused characters, then, you know, hopefully in, in different playthroughs, you'll find something in each of those play styles that that'll be fun and rewarding. Awesome. Ladies, any more narrative questions for Carrie? I think we covered all the important ones, like the romance. <laughs> Got to use that noggin for that imagination. <laughs> That's something that you are in no shortage of, dear Brittany. When, nope. are, when is your fanfic coming out? How soon after this game launches? <sighs> well, talk about that later, Sam. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Carrie, thank you so much for chatting with us today. And we look forward to learning more from you about the Outer Worlds. Thank you so much for having me. everybody we are back with brian hines another member of the obsidian entertainment team he is one of the lead designers at obsidian working on the outer worlds i'm a senior designer on the team actually well you know what one day you'll be a lead 
I mean, I'll take the promotion. <laughs> we just promoted you. Congratulations. Can I have my boss call you guys to negotiate my salary? Yes. Yes. That'd be great. We are really good negotiators. Excellent. I don't She's know if Carrie really told good. you. <laughs> yeah. Get Andrea on your team. Um, I mean, I just got an agent out of this. This is great. Yeah, listen, You're welcome. When you do a show with What's Good Games, doors just open for you. Or close. I like it. But it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so we were asking you right before we got you on the couch here about what kind of designing you do on the team. Yes. Uh, so on the Outer Worlds, I've been primarily doing area design, so creating areas, working on quests. Uh, I was managing a team of people actually going through like iterating and prototyping areas and doing all that kind of stuff. At Obsidian, I've also done system design. I was game director on Tyranny, and I've done some narrative design work for, as well for the company. So just a few things. Just, just a little bit. Just yeah. a little bit. Dabble here, dabble there. You know, I think, I think that title bump is, you know... It's worth. Seems, it's, seems, yeah, seems yeah, good at this you point. It, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we'll put in the good word. Excellent. Let's talk about some of the mechanics and the systems that we've seen here in our playthrough. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned at the beginning of the segment, we all got to play the game today, and we got a nice big chunk and to look at some of the RPG systems at play. Obviously, the good ba- uh, basis for any R- RPG is a questing system. Yes. Is there something that you guys wanted to specifically achieve with the questing system here, or were you kind of going for the if it ain't broke, don't fix it? Uh, so it's, it's kind of, I mean, one of the nice things about uh, Obsidian's quest tool is that basically both our conversation system and our quest system are things we've been working on from game to game. So it's something that we've we've beat the crap out of on a lot of different titles and we've really been able to really develop it and get a lot of functionality out of it. And we have our, our tools programmers who are constantly looking at, like whenever there's a GDC presentation about some other company's tools, they're like like hawks looking at every single thing. Oh, they have different drop-down boxes here. Oh, we could do that. <laughs> it's like looking for ways to improve the workflow because like when you make write as many dialogues and make as many quests as we do, you always want to find the best ways to make it as most efficient as possible. So how many different quests can we expect to see? Just like a ballpark number. Oof. Oof. Uh, Hundreds? Earn that new Thousands? Title, uh, lower. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there's there's definitely uh, like somewhere in the neighborhood of like 50, 60 different quests easily. Nice. I'm probably vastly underestimating the number. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of the ones I've, I know for sure are uh, like made it to the final game. Um, but yeah, like every quest involves like a lot of writing, a lot of dialogue from like narrative designers like Carrie and other designers on the team. So like each one of these is a months of work for the, the team to put together and get to the point where you guys can actually play it. Well, one of the things that I really liked about the presentation that I saw both at Judges Week and at E3 was this idea around making an RPG that wasn't insurmountable. Because yes. so many games these days are focusing on these large open world experiences mm-hmm. that feel like they take forever to finish. And you guys had said, you know, we want to still give the player that sense of, you know, a, a big, expansive, well-designed world, yes. but nothing that felt like it was overwhelming. Like, how do you find that balance? Budget helps, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like, when you only have a certain amount of money, you're forced to make choices and figure out how much you can actually do. But I think a lot of it was like when we were looking at the outer worlds, we wanted it to be worlds. We wanted to create multiple areas for the player to go and explore, like different planets, different uh, space stations, your own ship to travel around on and get that, that real sci-fi experience. And then within that, we're like, okay, 
for all these areas, we got to figure out how do we fill these with content to the point where you're running around, you can find new enemies to fight, you can find new quests, you can find new people to make friends with and then kill later on. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh no, we might be in trouble, Andrea. <laughs> so, with so many quests, how much weight does each quest have? So there's a uh, different like we different categories of quests mm-hmm. where we would approach them. There's like our crit path quests that are the like the minimum that you need to do to go through the entire story of the game. We have our quests for our companions. We have different factions groups in the game that have their own quest lines, and then we have like just kind of side quests and tasks you can find as just individual people in the world might ask you to do certain things. In terms of like level balancing, though, could you actually just critical path it, or would you? you it seems like you would need to do some side quests in order to be like the appropriate level and be able to fight people if you need to. So it depends on how much of a challenge you want because we've actually had people on the team who have who know the system well, who've done just a, a pure crit path playthrough and they're vastly underleveled and the combats are very tough, but they've managed to like take things out by knowing how like what where to put the points in their skills and what perks to purchase for the characters that sort of thing. They know how to min max. Yes, yes. So that could be like a second or third playthrough for somebody mm-hmm. who maybe wants to make different choices Absolutely. with some of the critical path missions to see how it plays out instead. Yes. And yeah, one of the things um Tim Kane has been doing recently is he's basically been picking a different style of player to try and emulate and then he plays with the entire game trying to make every decision as though he's that style of player. Sometimes it's like, oh, I'm going to focus on these two skills and stealth or dialogue or whatever and see how does that experience play out? Is it fun? If it's not, how do we make it fun? And like that's really what he's been focusing on over the past few months is like how do we like we've created all these different options for players. Let's make sure they're actually viable and they're actually fun and interesting. So does that mean that you guys are going to have a new game plus option or is it when you want to play again, you start from scratch? Well, you start from scratch when you play again. Okay. <coughs> I kind of like that though, because then you really get to experience the game as if you were truly playing it as a different perspective and a different style Definitely. altogether. Yeah. Um, are you guys contemplating maybe doing a new game plus mode? Not that I can talk about right now, no. Okay. Fair enough. That's fair. (laughs) Um, So we we were talking with Carrie a little bit about the Mm -hmm. companion system and narratively how your companions are going to be interacting with your player character. From a quest perspective, obviously there are companion quests. We saw one in the playthrough that we got Mm hands-on with today. With Neoka's quest, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Is that going to be something that's going to be a focal point or are those truly going to be like optional if you want to just explore that narrative arc with your companions. They're definitely there for players who really want to like dive into like knowing more about their companions. Like because if you just want to pick them up and have them like join you to like kill people with that's that's <laughs> definitely an option to play style. If you want to like delve into their personalities and like what makes them tick, those companion quests give you a lot of insight into their characters and like what led them to being the type of person who's going to join your crew and how like the actions you do on that quest, how does that shape them as a crew member going forward? So is it mostly just like a personality deep dive or are there any gameplay elements attached to it? Because we've seen in other games that like you need to do a companion mm-hmm. quest in order to make that companion fully like powerful. So it's, it's basically both. Okay, uh, basically cool. You learn a lot about the, the companion. And if you do with the, through those quests, you gain rewards that help like unlock the, uh, the, the most potential for the companion, I'll say. Cool. So I, oh, oh, go oh, ahead, no, Brett. No, you're good. Um, so are those fully optional? You don't have to do those companion quests? Correct, yes. Okay, yeah. and do you initiate them by just randomly chatting with your companions? Uh, so it depends. Um, based on the companions, certain things, like 
I think as Carrie mentioned, all of the companions have different points of view on the events that take place in the game. And as you're doing other quests, they will like chime in and give you information. And based on how you choose to do certain things, it will unlock options to start their companion quests. Mm. So based on how you're tackling the main story, your companions will will either agree with you or very much disagree and try and like use their, their quest as a way to get you to agree with them instead. Is it possible to please everyone? No. <laughs> it's not real life. I know, but I try I, but, so hard well, to well, also, real life. We're anyway. in, I know. Like, we're, but we're also talking about a game where you're in space and there's pigs with bacon tumors. It's, it's true. <laughs> the best creature ever, basically. <laughs> bacon tumors. It's too big. Um, I did want to talk about their specials, which I thought was something mm-hmm. that's very unique. There's obviously companions and RPGs is something yes. that we've seen a lot of developers mm-hmm. do, but I thought it was really neat that they each have like a unique special ability. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I like that, that, that it pulls to like a cool cinematic whenever they use it. Yeah. So it's just like, and then they have like this real intense face <laughs> on and you're like, yes, kill yeah. that thing. Yeah, Nyoka, I mean, I, I love her heavy machine gun attack is like her face just like just she wants everything dead immediately yeah. and she's so into it it's great like just the, the expression on her face the animators had a lot of fun with that so are we going to be able to find those companions through the critical path yes. or are you going to have to go exploring to find all of the companions in the game like is it possible that i might miss a potential companion absolutely Oh, uh, no. no. <laughs> the stress is on. Let me guess. That's, that's the best companion, too. It's yeah. going to be like the coolest one. I mean, it depends. Like, I think one of the nice things about the way we try to design our companions is that different players might have different ideas about who is the best companion. And in the office, we have discussions about who the, our favorite companions are, and everyone disagrees. Like, every, different people have their different like camps on which have companions are Have you voted yet? I have. I mean, obviously, I know has who there, the best Has there been is. an internal vote, though? Like, have, has, is there, like, a declared winner for Obsidian? So, occasionally, we, uh, we use, like, Slack internally to, to chat back and forth. There have yeah. been various polls internally about which, which companions are favorites. Or, like, in, when you had the uh, the E3 uh, demo video, when you saw Felix doing his dropkick attack, like, like that would spark people's debates. Like, yeah, Felix is the best. And then mm-hmm. everyone would start talking about, no, Nioka, come on, she's the best. So... That happens a lot. Pay attention to the cosplay community and they will answer for you. Absolutely. Oh, uh, who yes. comes out on top. I did want to mention a little nugget that you dropped when we were talking just a few minutes ago uh-huh. about multiple planets. So we obviously mm-hmm. only saw one planet in the demo today. So you're telling me there's space travel in the outer worlds? There is, yes. It's called the outer worlds. This world's plural. plural. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so how many different planets are we talking about here? I... Uh, when the game releases in October, you can find More out. More than one. Because <laughs> there's, yes. there's an S. So. But yeah, like we have um, multiple planets you can visit, like uh, space stations, various structures in space that you can find, uh, can explore, asteroids that you can visit, and that mm. sort of thing. So there's a variety within the Halcyon system of places to explore and travel to. Is the travel part of that going to be a mechanic, or is it more focused on just the new environments? For example, like, is there, are you going to pilot a spaceship, for example? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're not talking about that part of the game yet. That's something we'll be talking about more as we get closer to launch. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, don't, I can't really say too much about it right Dang. now. Thought we were going to get a scoop here. <laughs> nah. What's good scoops? Not. <laughs> that's okay. No, that's all right. Um, so to maybe wrap up this interview, mm-hmm. I'd love to hear from you about something that you as part of the design team are really proud of or really excited for players mm-hmm. to get their hands on something that you think is uniquely obsidian. 
I mean, the entire game itself is something that Obsidian makes. I mean, the, we've been making RPGs for decades now between both starting out in Black Isle and now with, with Obsidian. Like, there's, there's people who have been with both Black Isle and Obsidian for multiple decades now. And that, like, history and, like, lot, like depth of, like, achievement and, and past that people have is, it's amazing. Because basically we have, uh, there's various people at the studio who have been there since day one and are still with the studio. And there's a shared language that's really great to be a part of and to see, like, the overall development of the game. And everything from the companions, like, how we tell stories, how we design faction quests and the overall narrative, that all comes from all of the, the games we've made before and how that has developed over time. So I think definitely... If you're looking for that Western RPG obsidian experience, you're going to find it in the Outer Worlds. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Can't confirm. That was a good soundbite. <laughs> yeah. It Thank was you. indeed. Any final questions, ladies? Nay. Well, I mean, I have a I bunch. I have more. But, but I bet I we're like... going to get a lot of, we're not talking about that yet. Well, I, I want to <laughs> ask a random thing. Okay. Because obviously one of the things Obsidian is known for is its humor. Mm-hmm. And this comes out a lot in this game. So I'm just curious, like... Is it just the narrative people that have to be funny to work there? Or like, who, how do you, is it part of your interview process? Like, maybe you don't know this, it, the answer to this, but I'm just like now very curious as to what the qualifications would be for somebody to like come work at Obsidian. I mean, th- there's generally a decent number of funny people who work at the studio. And some of the jokes that you see in the game were not written by the narrative people. They were something that was a an animator suggested or a programmer made a smart-ass comment in email. And that became, oh, that's going into the game. So that's like that's again that that collaborative environment we have that really helps drive a lot of that as well. I mean, to be fair, the narrative designers spend a lot of time refining the jokes to make it <laughs> so I don't want to downplay. They that, take the but... nuggets and they polish them up. Exactly. Yes. 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 Well, I mean, everybody thinks they're funny when they tell the joke the first time, and I'm sure yes. the narrative people are like, "Yeah, dude, that's so." Yeah, but it would fun. be better yeah. if it was like <laughs> this: flip some words around, and you're like, "Oh, that Boom. is better." Now it's gold. <laughs> now it's like, sisty pigs. Like, sisty oh. pigs. Completely random. But if you guys have seen uh, like Amazon show, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel, absolutely. Like that, this the series where she's going through refining her act, and you see like, just her bombing time after time after time. Like that's what a, like writing comedy is like. Half the time, you have no idea if it's funny until somebody like reads it and laughs. And half the stuff that you people have been laughing about wasn't funny until we got a voice actor delivering the lines. Because mm. when we just usually do like our uh, text-to-speech or our robo-voice, <laughs> nothing is funny in robo oh, well, I think it's actually way funnier when a robot's saying it. <laughs> okay. But that's not that a voice actor delivering with, with robot processing. So they, they know where, where to uh, do the delivery. When it's pure just text-to-speech, oh, okay. it is dry and bland. <laughs> Well, maybe someday we'll get the secret recordings of Robo Voice from you the You should. Adorable. That'd be a great. Oh, my God. Yes. Director's cut. I would pay DLC for that. There you go. See, I we're just you giving you gold like here. I think you would feel like money at that point. <laughs> He's like, no, you just gave me a bunch of garbage. I don't know why yeah. you're doing this. Please stop. Well, Brian, thank you so much for chatting with us thank today for and for, for letting us play the game. We're very pumped for the game to come out. And could you remind us one more time of when people can play The Outer Worlds? Yeah. Uh, the game releases on October 25th of this year. All right, just a few months away, everybody. Yes. Big. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have lots more content for you guys on our regularly scheduled show. But thanks for tuning in to our special episode. And we'll see you guys later. Bye. I don't know why I waved. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to wait, but I stopped I, realized, I was like, wait, we're not on camera this time. Oh, well. Oh, yeah.